Hey everyone, welcome to episode 110 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host Andy Corrigan, with me as always is Andrew Brown. Episode 110. That one was a bit understated. Like episode 110 will be... <laughs> yep, certainly uh, not a lot going on in Switchland at the moment. Uh, but we've got some uh, chatter about the new firmware update coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of games, Pixel Cross Adventure, Kawaii Deathu Desu. I'm going to talk a bit about the Fire Emblem DLC a bit late, uh, but the Cinder Shadows DLC jumps into that uh, today. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the Power A wireless GameCube controller. So let's uh, get right into it. Okay, no updates from the previous episode. I mean, I guess uh, last week I was playing Final Fantasy VII. I got to the point of leaving Midgar, uh, went to the city of, or the town of Calm, just to go over that uh, the story dump in the backflash from Cloud. Uh, and then I'm putting a pause on it there till I uh, beat the remake on, on PS4. So I, uh, I've been jumping into other things. Uh, that's about it for, for updates, but we'll just get straight into the, to the Switch news. They uh, surprise dropped firmware version 10.0.0 this week, uh, which for them was pretty feature heavy. Uh, included full button remapping for Pro Controllers and Joy-Cons, um, and of course all the buttons on the Switch Lite. That's good for accessibility, but uh, I, I can imagine a lot of people will swap the A and B buttons around, but I'm sort of programmed around that now i don't think i need to bother um and they finally added in the ability to swap data between the sd card and the the system that that's really useful because previously to get something on the system memory you'd have to take out your sd card and re-download it and and all that jazz and now you can just swap freely between the two um you use a lot of sd cards i imagine you might find some use for that I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I do swap my SD cards around a lot, but I don't swap the data that's on them around much. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I'm so pre-programmed basically into just downloading things off the eShop that I don't know if I would even remember to use this feature. Uh, uh, it's useful. I'm glad it's there because I, I had a couple of situations where I wanted to reorganize some stuff. Like I wanted some, uh, you know, the sort of pick up and play games like on the system memory just in case I do need more SD cards in the future um, and I had to sort of fully delete them and re-download them uh, and all that so that that would have been nice at the time um, now we've got a note on here I know nothing about this dual screen support uh, I googled it after seeing it on the show notes and all I could see was a deleted thread on Reddit about some sort of leak apparently somewhere in the patch notes there's something about dual screen support being added in this firmware update and we know nothing more about it, but the speculation is it's going to have to do with the next hardware model released for the Switch. Pro. So we're thinking maybe, maybe. some sort of dual screen a return to the, the DS way of thinking, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking that the next Switch might just be a dock, and if you have another Switch, then it'll interact with the dock like a Wii U, basically. Mm. That That's what my my thoughts are. Because I can't imagine them like turning the switch into a DS. <laughs> that would be kind of ridiculous. This huge clamshell—that'd be funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that's uh, an interesting uh, tidbit from the the patch notes. There, I, I did have a look at their official notes and didn't didn't see anything related to that. So uh, yeah, be cool to see what comes of that. Okay, so with that, uh, let's jump into what we've been playing. <laughs> Uh, 
Okay, we'll start with you, Andrew. Uh, so you've been playing Pixel Cross Adventure. Uh, so we both played Pixel Lines DX uh, back in the early days of the Switch, uh, which was more of more of a puzzler than than maybe a maths game. Uh, I've I've got the sense that this is more of a uh, a Picross game. Is that right? It is. It's a Picross slash nonograms game. The Pixel, which is spelled P I C Z L E, is is a series that focuses on different kinds of grid-based puzzles like the one that we played in in year one of the switch pixel lines dx was about filling in like colors uh using a certain number but like i I don't even know if i could describe it at this point (laughs) i haven't played it in so long uh but it did involve a grid and i think most of the other games in this series involve grids and there, there is an ongoing story such as it is between all these different pixel games they all star a character called professor molecule m matrix and his assistant who is this kind of disaffected moronic kid named scorchan and (laughs) scorchan's little mascot sidekick gig who has not said a word yet in uh, pixel cross adventure so i don't know, maybe he's just along for the ride just for the heck of it i don't know uh but in pixel lines dx at least it, it was just a series of puzzles that you select from a menu that had shortcut scenes between each batch of puzzles there wasn't really a world to explore but pixel cross adventure has much more of a plot and it does have this town that you explore And following the events of one of the previous Pixel games, the characters were in outer space dealing with the fallout of this stuff that Professor Matrix had invented called Pixel Dust, which has different effects on the world, basically turns things into puzzles. It's basically what it does. And after recovering it, they accidentally leave some behind, which is picked up by this woman named Mona Chromatic who takes it back down to Earth and she uses it to make a robot an evil version of Scorchan named Underscore whose (laughs) name has an underscore in it which is hilarious and uh, she also uses it to make this weapon that sucks out all the colors in some things and in other things it actually completely disassembles them and turns them into these black holes basically uh these little spaces of nothing that Scorchan has to go around town and interact with all these little black portals where each one becomes a nonograms puzzle that reveals the item that is supposed to be there. And some of it is just done for completion, like maybe reassembling a stop sign or a mailbox out front of your house, and then other things you actually have to solve to progress, like maybe there's a stair set that you have to solve a puzzle for, that way you can go down the stairs and get out of the house that you're in. And there's also an experience level system where certain puzzles you can only solve when you're at certain levels, so you have to go out and solve other puzzles till you get there, and that's a a wall to your progression as well. And it's basically just a... It's not really an RPG, but it has RPG elements, and it has the whole town you can explore. So it's just adding this very light story and this exploration element onto Pycross puzzles, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I, I do want to play Pycross puzzles, and I want to play more of a game to it. 
And other times I just want to solve some puzzles, so I, I'm happy to just select the next one from the menu. So the Switch is getting a lot of options <laughs> as far as Picross, and I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, it is the machine for it at the moment. <laughs> and I'm not very far into Pixel Cross Adventure yet, but I'm really enjoying what I've played so far. If you're into Picross, this is a, another good Picross game. It's not the best. The puzzles... Although I'm not very far yet, the puzzles might get harder, but the puzzles aren't very difficult, and the tools that are in it uh, aren't the best. Uh, I've talked in the past in other Pycross games I've played where the solution system is kind of confused, and some of those confused systems seem to cross over here, but this seems like a, a much higher production value game compared to some of those other Pycross games I've talked about. So I'm thinking this actually might just be just a different philosophy on the kind of guides that they give you, and I'm very accustomed to the Jupiter Corporation Pycross series, which have very helpful guides that I've just kind of come to accept as the standard. Like in this one, it doesn't always gray out the numbers until you've grayed out the entire line before it, whereas in the Jupiter Corporation games and the games that imitate it, like, once you solve that part of the puzzle, it just grays it out immediately, even if you haven't grayed out the rest of the line, which uh, this is the problem I have every time I talk about Pycross games is uh, I hope the things I'm saying make sense. <laughs> but uh, th- the guides in this aren't, aren't as helpful as I think they could be. So maybe this is a bit more of an advanced game, uh, maybe not as beginner-friendly. Is probably the point I'm trying to make here. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure you'll update us on that uh, as you get further in uh, as to how that difficulty curve goes. So let's jump into something I've been playing, which is uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses Cinder Shadows DLC. I know you've got no interest in Fire Emblem, but uh, I thought it was worth covering anyway. Um, I, f- I figure with the way things are at the moment, it's a good time for me to jump in and, and finally do the DLC for the season passes I bought for some reason. Um <laughs> And I started here, so the next one on my list will be the uh, Mario Plus Rabbids DLC, because I still haven't done that. Um, so, Cinder Shadows, part of the reason why I haven't played it so far is because I, I had it in my head that this was one that you had to play during the main quest, and I really didn't want to start another campaign of Fire Emblem Three Houses just yet. Um, but no, I found out it's actually accessible from the main menu as a side story. Uh, it's set pre-time skip, so you're still at the monastery of uh, Garag Mak. And the story is some of the students find a, a passage that leads under the monastery and they head down and they find this secret underworld called the Abyss, uh, which is run by a secret fourth house called the Ashen Wolves. Uh, they turn out to be like a mixture of brigands, people with bounties on their heads, uh, outcasts and other riffraff, but they have a noble cause where they want to protect people who can't protect themselves. Uh, they're under assault from another third party, which I, I don't want to spoil, but, but things happen and, and the main group have to then work with the new group. Um, structure of it being as a side story, it changes the formula of, of uh, Three Houses quite a lot. So it doesn't use the calendar system from the main campaign, so you're not like picking what to do with your weeks as you, as you do there. Um, but it does give you a whole new area to explore between missions, which is the Abyss, which is just... It, it's just like an underground castle, really. Uh, when you start the DLC, it pre-warns you that uh, your units will level up, so the, their numbers will go up, but they won't gain new skills. 
um, and you can reclass them but it's kind of restricted because there's no schooling so they can't go through exams to change to whatever you want them to do they have like a handful of presets that you can move them to as you progress through this little mini campaign um so with that you don't do any recruiting in this one uh you have a set party so it's your main character you're joined by all the house leaders which is something you don't get to do often in the main campaign um and a couple of others just from just across the school and so you have to just deal with the hand you dealt with it's basically just seven more missions there is a plot to tie those missions together which is entertaining uh, i'm about i'm a couple of missions in and I kind of missed the week-by-week calendar setup because that's where I derived a lot of my enjoyment from the main game and getting to know the characters, hanging with them, helping them develop in the ways that would benefit me in combat, and then sort of seeing how their characteristics grow and how they change post-time skip. Um, so with that, it kind of feels like the plot's in a vacuum if you're coming to it after the main campaign as I am. Um, like I feel like finding a whole heap of useful fighters under where you live would have had a bigger impact on the main quest and you know would have made more of a lasting memory on those that experienced it especially as some of the main story events in the main campaign deal with their worries about people sneaking up from underneath the monastery and kidnapping them you you know there's some sort of crossover there where you you think that would trigger memories if this is part of a timeline uh, so that that alone just makes it feel like it's not really part of the story, which is disappointing. Uh, that that said, from what I've read, when you beat the DLC, the abyss becomes open to explore in the main game, and then from there you can actually recruit its characters in a playthrough, uh, regardless of what playthrough you're on. I'm probably not playing this again, so I'm going to miss that as a benefit. So uh, yeah, it, it just feels a bit separate, which is you know in one way. I like because it means I can play it without having to start a new game, uh, but equally it does create that divide uh, and places quite a few restrictions on, on your gameplay options. As for the missions themselves, it's it's more of the same, seven new missions, uh, they're, they're still boiling down to having to wipe out everyone on the opposition. The the first mission, you're actually against the Ashen Wolves, as they, they tend to do in uh, anime-themed games where you, know, they, you have to fight the newcomers before realizing out your actual priorities and and all that so it's fine so far uh, i feel like it's going to be fairly short i have heard the missions uh, later on are a lot more difficult than anything you experience in the main campaign so yeah i'll, I'll double back to it as i get towards the end but yeah so it's it, it's fine but uh, it doesn't feel essential because it, it just it feels too separate at this point and especially with the circumstances that i'm coming into it okay uh, so the other thing you've been playing uh, was uh, Kawaii Dethu Desu. Uh, I did have a look at this after you mentioned it last week, and it does look fun. Um, I, I saw a few user reviews online that said it, uh, it short but really, really grindy, which was a bit of a drag. Uh, how did you find it? Yeah, short but grindy, I think, is a, a good <laughs> summary. <laughs> um, in this game, the powers of the afterlife evil that they are uh decide that they want more souls so they send their agents to earth uh and put on concerts and cull the souls of the people who come to watch basically <laughs> is the plot uh and all the characters are you know afterlife monsters i guess you know like 
death is the main character, but death becomes Death Chan, <laughs> who is a an idol singer, <laughs> and there's like a a rapping zombie who kickboxes and a succubus who is a succubus. <laughs> uh, that those are the only characters I've unlocked. Um, and I was kind of hoping this would be a music game because you know the premise is they're putting on concerts to steal people's souls. Uh, but the music is pretty incidental to it. You select your character and you select a stage. Uh, there are four different continents and three different concerts that happen on each continent, so 12 levels total. And the fans will all rush the stage and you kill them and steal their soul, basically, <laughs> is the entire game. Uh, you... The only controls are attacking to the left and right with the left and right shoulder buttons, and I didn't really have to apply any strategy. Uh, actually, I found the best way to play the game was to just alternate pressing left and right as fast as I could, and <laughs> there are three different ways you can play each level. There's the normal mode, which is you just play the level and it's pretty easy, and then there's the hard mode, which is a bit harder, and then it ranks you out of three stars. To get three stars, you have to beat the level without getting hit, and I, I did that with Death Chan on every level in under two hours. It was not difficult. <laughs> and then the third level is just an, an endless mode where you just go until you run out of health. And yeah, like short but grindy says it all. <laughs> uh, like I said, I, I finished the whole game with top ranks with Death Chan uh, using the souls that I got from the fans to upgrade her because the later levels the fans do have more hit points so you need more to stop them from rushing you uh you need to be able to deal more damage so i upgraded death chan but i, I kind of resented that i would rather have spent my souls on new characters and new costumes but i had to spend most of my souls just on upgrading the one character i had and I wanted to really look at the things that you could unlock, the other characters you could unlock. So I did spend about another hour playing the game, just doing the endless mode, just grinding souls so I could unlock a few extra things. But even the new characters, they take 10,000 plus souls to unlock. Mm. And there are new costumes for each character. So the music is pretty incidental to the experience. Like... There is music that plays on each stage, but I could barely hear it over the sound of what is basically a beat 'em up game, uh, and it's not challenging. Basically, all it has going for it is that ridiculous premise. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not mad I played it, but it's a pretty shallow game. Like, if you look at it and it looks like something you might think might be fun, it is that for an hour, and you could do worse, but it's okay i didn't i didn't think much of it yeah so it sounds like it sort of just channels you into the necessity of having to upgrade your character rather than getting the variety of of other ones um yeah if there was like more thought in the levels like how fans come at you like i had to actually strategize the side i'm i'm focusing my attacks on more Versus, you know, just pumping up your character and just fighting off this huge waves that come at you equally from each side. Mm -hmm. And there are there are some things that kind of lean towards that kind of idea. Like, there's one type of fan that will just suddenly jump to the other lane. 
but that doesn't make any difference at all in the strategy. Still just left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. <laughs> mesh, mesh, so, mesh, mesh, mesh. Like, yeah, like the different characters have different types of attacks, and they all have different super attacks that charge up as you beat fans. Uh, but aside from that aesthetic difference, really nothing changed how I was playing the game. And after I unlocked three characters, even though I think there are like five more to unlock, I was just like, there's just a grind left for me here. I've done everything there is to do except for grind everything to unlock everything. And if there was more here than just tapping left and right, I might be down for that grind, but not happening. <laughs> I I'm done. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so uh, moving on. So the, the last thing is not what I've played, but what I've played uh, with. Um, so I picked up the Power A wireless GameCube controller uh, during the week, I saw it on sale, uh, and I bought it with the idea that at some point I'm going to buy all the Resident Evil games that are available on Switch next time they're on sale, because um, I can't bear the thought of playing them on a Nintendo console without a GameCube controller. It just feel wrong. But I might be waiting a while because I just missed a sale on all those games. So uh, the the silver lining is silver lining is that they do seem to be on sale quite often. Uh, so I'll bide my time. Uh, worst case, I've got most of them on on PC anyway, if I, if I get really desperate. But uh, yeah, so the, the controller itself, so great build quality, very similar to the original GameCube controller in feel and size. Um, they uh, they have added a bigger D-pad, which is uh, really good because the, the D-pad on the uh, original controller is quite tiny um, and something I didn't really uh, think about until I, I, I dug my old one out for comparison. Uh, so you could say that the the bigger D-pad is a big plus, if you get the joke. I'm sorry. What about the C-stick? Uh, the C-stick is uh, it feels nice, um, but it's not as rubbery as the original. Mm. It's it's a little plasticky, but I haven't had any issues with it. Um, it's like the way the C-stick was designed in the original GameCube controller. Like playing first-person shooter games with that, it just didn't feel right because the c-stick was not really designed to be a second joystick it was just c buttons applied to a stick yeah i don't, I don't know so, so, yeah. since i bought i've bought a couple of fps's for the gamecube like since i've been uh, collecting old games again so i've got like the original call of duty and uh a rainbow six game and Do you yet, have king kong get king kong it's really good oh yeah good idea um but yeah that uh it's it, it's not an ideal controller for for FPS games really, but you know the the stick feels good. I think it would I think it's it would do better than the original. Um, hmm. But yeah, it's it's a bit plasticky, so there, there is that risk that your your thumb might slip. I haven't tried an FPS to really give it that test, but equally, I I did love the GameCube controller on Resident Evil Four a whole lot. So um, the face buttons are slightly smaller so there's a little less travel for your thumb there's an extra shoulder button to match the the number of inputs on the the pro controller uh, now there are, there are a heap of gamecube controller options available so there's, there's a hori one there's various power a ones there's a there's another brand who i can't think of at the moment uh, the reason i opted for this one aside from it being wireless was because it has motion control built in uh, at the expense of HD rumble, which is fine, but I guess it would be a loss for some. Um, so yeah, it still has the gyro and all that. And unlike s some of those other third-party controllers, it can wake up the system uh, with the home button. Some of the, the wired ones 
particularly do not uh, and functionally it's the same as the pro controller on on every level uh, and it is in fact recognized as one when you sync it up uh the triggers obviously the uh the original gamecube controller had the two levels of of input it was like analog and then a definite click this is just the one click so um it does have the gamecube style you know curved uh triggers but they don't act like analog analog triggers or anything like that um and you do have that there's more of a push down than there is on on the pro controller triggers so there is that to take into account so it's it's more travel space when you want to press the button but it, it's fine yeah and my only other real gripe with it is that uh, it uses AAA batteries instead of an inbuilt rechargeable um my tip there is just get some rechargeable batteries and a, a plug-in charger and, and you'll be fine yeah uh, it does come with batteries a lot of controllers don't but yeah that that's one downside to it uh, so i have been using it to play animal crossing i never played animal crossing on gamecube um but it does <sighs> it does work really well for that i didn't have a gamecube until the end of its life cycle and even then i only got it <laughs> even then i only got it uh, i bought it from a friend because uh, i wanted all the resident evils and it came with wind waker <laughs> so that was the other the selling point for that um poor man poor man yeah but uh yeah it works really well with with animal crossing the uh the the big a button for, for i love like, the you, big a button yeah I've, this <laughs> this is on my notes here like i i love the gamecube's layout and i'm really annoyed that they didn't keep it as they they carried on through the systems like you can understand why the wii didn't have it because it wouldn't work on a on you know effectively a remote control shaped controller yeah um i think it maybe made it seem too much like a toy yeah they're kind of they're trying to get away from that perception the the gamecube like controller does look like a like a tomy toy or something but <laughs> and also like the xbox 360 well i shouldn't even specialize consoles like all the the current major consoles their main controllers not the joy cons but like the main controllers they're basically all the same controller mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true that i think like the big a button as well would help people with that uh that switch up between the a and b button that throws everyone off when they switch between other consoles and the switch like that that really helps uh with that because it's just this big button in the center and you know it makes sense to have like the most used button in the middle of the controller it's just i I really like that layout and i I wish they carried on it was great for playing tony hawk yeah 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 i can see that yeah so i i really like this controller uh, and i've been using it to play animal crossing all week and have felt uh no need or desire to go back to the pro controller yet um i don't know if i'm going to use it for everything because i i did buy it for a specialized use case the only other benefit I would have got from one of the other controllers would have been maybe it would work on PC easily. It, I think it works with Bluetooth, but um, hmm. I, none of my PCs have Bluetooth, you know, connections in them because they're, they're home built, and I didn't buy the card with that functionality in it, so I can't connect it that way. So uh, yeah, but yeah, I like it so far, um, and I highly recommend it if you're looking for a GameCube controller. These things only really exist as, as Smash controllers, I guess, but. Uh, yeah, it's good it works with uh, all the other stuff really well. Okay, let's catch in with our Animal Crossing 
villagers in our village visit. So um, I'll start. The one thing I wanted to talk about, I asked on, or I mentioned it on Twitter, hoping someone would explain it to me, uh, but no one did. Got a few likes though. Uh, I had a day where all my villagers were just acting really weird, uh, in the sense that they were all they'd stop as if charging, and then suddenly dart off with their arms out like aeroplanes. Every single oh, their Naruto running, yeah, yeah, every, every single one of them. Um, including three of them all doing it in the the town square, which was really weird. <laughs> um, and then the day after, only one of them is persisting with this, and that's Marcel. So I'm thinking that's just a thing he does. But yeah, that that amused me. And I tried talking to them to see if there was like a weird day that I I wasn't aware of. And no, they just talked about the museum. I think they just will share activities. Like I, I see them doing yoga in my town square all the time, and I've seen videos of them all coming together and singing together yeah so. I've, I've had the singing it's a bit annoying <laughs> <laughs> it was just like this one day of them all just running around with their arms out so yeah that was funny i finally got mabel moving in tomorrow so i followed your advice from last week and i've just been buying stuff left right center um i haven't been clearing out their stocks because i just i don't want a house storage just full of things i'll never use so i am sort of well targeting it but M- mabel agreed to move in so I, i've set a, a spot for her uh, I, I sell things as as soon as I get them. So uh, good point, yeah. <laughs> I only buy them just to get them in my catalog. Yeah. Then I sell them again, uh, good point. which uh, is kind of annoying, <laughs> but oh well. Uh, so I added the uh, campsite as well. So now uh, that means I've had a heap of people wanting to move in. Um, so I've been, you know, buying the, the plots ready and they've been going the day after. So I'm nearly at full capacity. I think I've got one more spot. I built a really rubbish park. So I... I I got a, a recipe for a big fancy fountain from the, the Nook Miles machine, uh, built that, and I've built a fence around it, and I've been filling it in with, with flowers. I, I think I'm going to make it bigger, because it didn't work as well as it did in my head. I just need to expand it out a bit. Um, I also need that terraforming tool so I can like make it the size that I had envisaged, but yeah. Um, I also paid to have some houses moved to the region I wanted them, um, So because my house is off miles away from everyone else uh i've got like i had two rows of six sorry two rows of three it's three in each row you know what i'm saying um and i got the those perfectly spaced and then i went to move mabel sorry not mabel's house today whose house was it it was teddy's house i moved teddy's house and tried to do it below so it was like you know make it a a square of nine houses but i got the spacing wrong the the vertical spacing <laughs> wrong so i'm gonna have to redo that but i think i'm gonna have to wait till i get the terraforming tool again because as i move along that row the space gets uh less expensive so i need to fill that in so <laughs> yeah. yeah so so I've, i'm gonna have to pay to do all that all over again but that was about it oh i did get turnips today finally first thing i did when i woke up uh but i didn't have a lot of money so i didn't get as many as i've seen other people with but uh it'll be a good experiment to to figure out how that works uh so how's things going on stony time well pretty much the same i I, i'm kind of locked in this equilibrium my my town's at two star rating i need to get it to three star Mm -hmm. for kk slider to come visit and then i unlock the terraforming tool and i just haven't really done anything in this past couple weeks to actually improve my town i've planted some flowers and today i did expand my garden out quite a bit which included expanding out the wall but even that wasn't enough to get me up to three stars Mm -hmm. but 
as I said, I, I don't want to do the things that the game wants me to do right now until I have the terraforming tool, but I need, I need to do those things to get the terraforming tool, so I'm, I'm kind of stuck. I need to just find an empty space and just fill it with random junk until I get it up to three stars, kind of like decorating one of my bathrooms in, in two-point hospital to get it up to five stars. Mm -hmm. Same basic idea. I just... I just haven't done it. I'm going to do it this coming week. I've decided every time I go online and I visit somebody else's island, they've already got terraforming. They've got KK Slider visiting. I'm like, why am I so far behind on this? So I need to just suck it up and just build some random stuff. That way I can get back towards designing the island that I really want it to be because mm -hmm. I, I am stuck. Like I've done nothing new uh, since our last update. I actually felt like uh, I've had more to do this week uh, and that's probably just because i had that um thing of like spend the money spend the money spend the money i've uh, i've upgraded my house so i've now got uh, two extra rooms um one's just become a dump for stuff so i can try and increase my uh miles stamp for mm -hmm. having junk in my my house yeah i'm sort of plodding out I'm, I'm still focusing on my house whereas i should really be focusing on on the village so i can get kk slider in and and get the terraforming but yeah, so that, that's where I am at the moment. I'm just sort of using my nook miles to buy, you know, cool stuff for the islands. I've got vending machines and a little breakout area. I've got um, the fountain that I mentioned. I've got a well, uh, a phone booth for some reason. <laughs> and uh, I keep finding, like, historical artifacts. Like, I've got I've got a sphinx. I've got a uh, Easter Island head. And they're all just on my side of the island around my, <laughs> around my house. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you should set them up by your museum. Yeah, well, I, I actually don't think I'm that far off uh, finishing the fossils on the museum. I think I've got a handful of items left. Uh, yeah, so. I do too. Like all this last week, I haven't got found a single new fossil, which mm -hmm. is starting to bum me out. But it, that just means that I've gotten almost all of them. Well, also they sell for pretty good money, so mm -hmm. that's uh, what I've been doing. Just yeah. just sell them. Maybe once it's complete, I'll aim to try and get a a full t-rex for outside my house but that'll be that'll be about it so yeah so that's it for our uh, village visit we'll keep you posted on on how we're going with that maybe the next next big update when we uh we actually get kk and we can actually you know really tear the island up a bit oh yeah i did do some uh, multiplayer with my wife we visited each other's uh islands because the shops had stuff that we wanted and uh <laughs> since i left her island one of her characters has just been obsessed with me and, <laughs> and every time she talks to him he just brings me up all the time and he mentioned something about me being his rival which was pretty funny <laughs> uh, so yeah so the when I did the last visit I, I went around and talked to everyone to try and leave a, a, a bigger impression there mm. so. <laughs> Okay, Andrew, what are you playing in this coming week? Next Friday, the Trials of Mana remake is out. Um, hopefully, I'll, I'll have time to put some time in it and give some preliminary thoughts. Otherwise, I don't know. <laughs> Not to say there isn't stuff coming out this week. Like, there's Sunless Sea is out this week. That looks like that might be interesting. I'm just trying not to buy so many new games anymore so mm -hmm. i'll have something i just if it's not trials of mana i don't know what it will be uh, i'm using this extra time in just to try and play stuff a that i've been meaning to and 
you know be stuff that I should have been playing like a lot of the DLCs that I, I, I buy passes for and then never actually get to um, so yeah so I'll just be picking away at that stuff So that's it for episode 110. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Switch Focus podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee. Details for that are on our website. Thanks in advance. Uh, this episode was edited by Craig Windle. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Craig, and you can follow his music career on there too at Windmills at Dawn. He also composed all of the chiptune interludes on the show and I'm sure you'll agree they're all great so to get on there and listen to his other stuff. Uh, and you can also follow us two on Twitter individually. I'm at Flame Roast Toast and Andrew is at Play Critically. <laughs>